Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you've joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. If you have your Bible with you this morning, if you would turn with me to the book of 1 Kings chapter 17. We're going to continue our Thanksgiving series, and for the last several weeks, we've been talking about this idea of Thanksgiving and things that will propel us forward into that as a lifestyle, not just a day or an event on the calendar or a family affair, but a lifestyle of being a grateful people. The first Sunday, we spoke about the power of contentment and how that contentment with godliness is great gain in our lives, and that propels us forward. Uh, Last week, we talked about the power of praise and how that praise is the expression of our gratitude to the Lord. Today, we're going to be talking about the power of perspective, the power of perspective and how that factors into our thanksgiving. Perspective is defined as a particular attitude toward or way of regarding something. In other words, a point of view. Now today we're going to look at how our perspective affects our ability to be grateful. And, you know, our perspective, our way of viewing things in, in, in the way that it relates to our being thankful is this. Number one, that... What you see depends on how you look at it. How many of you know that it's possible for two of us or groups of us all to look at the same thing, the same situation, the same circumstances, and see two completely different things? And and the difference is bound up in our perspective. It's the way that we view life. It's the lens that we choose. All of us are viewing life and life circumstances through a lens. You know, you may be in this place today and and you may have 20-20 vision in, in the natural sense. And you say, well, Pastor, I don't have any contacts. I don't wear glasses. I don't have a magnifying glass or anything like that. Regardless... We all choose a lens through which we see the world. And it's our perspective. It's our way of looking at things. And everything that we see, we run through that grid. We, we process through that lens. So let me just illustrate this here for you. I did it in the first service and to, almost to the person. It was half and half. In, in Stephen Covey's book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People... He actually shows this illustration and, and, and tells about a professor who puts this before his college students and asks them, what do they see? So guys, if you got that picture read, throw it up there on the screen. Now, some of you are looking at this picture right now, and you're seeing this, what appears to be this, I'll say, elderly lady well-weathered, maybe it's a cold, blustery day like today who's kind of hunkered down. Or some of you may be looking at this and you're seeing the opposite side of that picture and what you're seeing is a young lady who's well-adorned and who's maybe ready for a night out on the town. 
Let me ask you this. How many of you see the old lady? How many of you see the young woman? Oh, wow. See how, see how different that is? See how different that was? You can, you can take that down because some of you right now, you're trying to figure out what it is that the other folks are seeing. And you're not going to hear anything else I say the rest of the time if I don't take that away. So just, just take it away. Take it away right now. In Jesus' name. All right. We're all unified again. All right. Praise God. But what you see depends upon how you look at it. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the power of being content, the power of praise, but I caution you today that both your ability to be content and your ability to find things praiseworthy are going to be contingent upon your perspective on life. You know, some people, when they're talking about perspective, they use this silly illustration about a glass being half full or half empty. And they'll just set a glass up there and they'll say, do you see that as half full or half empty? And, and then based on that, of course, you know the argument. If you see it half full, you're a positive, optimistic type person. If you see it half empty, you're an optimist, you're a pessimist, and you know, you're kind of negative and lean to that side. And I just say all of that's hogwash because it depends on whether you were trying to fill the glass or empty the glass, whether it's a positive or negative thing. I don't, what's the purpose? What are we trying to do? Are we trying to fill it up? If we're trying to fill it up, it's half full. If we're trying to empty it out, then half empty is a good thing, right? But, but regardless of that, how we view what we view determines what we see. I want to take you to a prime example here in 1 Kings 17 of a difference of perspective on a situation. In 1 Kings 17, we find the prophet Elijah who has been hanging out by the brook. God has been feeding him by, by way of raven. Yeah, Amazon wasn't the first to come up with this whole idea of drones and delivery and everything. God used crows long, long ago to do this very thing. They, they, they flew the bread in and dropped it off right there where Elijah was. And he, he ate the bread that the Lord provided. He drank water from the brook. But there came a day when the brook dried up. The brook dried up, and we pick up this narrative in verse, seven, uh, verse 9 here of chapter 17. And the word of the Lord comes to Elijah and says this, Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. And listen to this. If you take notes in your Bible, you highlight, underline, whatever you do, then underline, uh, do something to denote this next phrase. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. What is that? That's the word of the Lord for Elijah. That's the word of the Lord for Elijah's life. Go to Zarephath. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. The narrative continues and says, So he went to Zarephath. He came to the town gate. A widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so that I may have a drink? I love the boldness here. He says, as she was going to get it, he called again and said, and bring me, please, a piece of bread. Now, Elijah's looking at this situation through spiritual eyes. What Elijah knows here is that God has told him to go to Zarephath, and the Lord has provided a widow there who's going to supply his need of food. 
He says, get up and go there. God told him and, and that he had the widow there who was going to supply him the food. And I can see Elijah right now. I mean, it's been a long journey. Some people suggest that from the brook where he was to Zarephath was about a 100-mile a journey somewhere thereabouts. And, you know, he didn't have the luxury of modern transportation like we do. So that's a, kind of a rugged trek there. And Elijah has made this journey, and he's walking into town. The first thing he sees is exactly what God promised him, that there was a widow there, and she was gathering sticks. And Elijah's strolling into town. He sees her. He places his order. He's stretching out, getting ready ready to make himself comfortable from a long journey, finding a place to settle down and enjoy his meal. Because he's viewing things through the perspective and the lens of God's promise for his life. On the other side of that equation, however, we find a widow in Zarephath. And I'll remind you that during this time, there was a great drought and famine in the land. And here's this woman we're going to see. She has a meager substance. And, and Elijah's coming into town, and he's looking at her, and, you know, there she is, just like God said that she would be. And Elijah's got to be thinking, jackpot. Yes, score. God, you were right, you provided again. And he asked this lady for bread. I can imagine that she would look at him and say, Mister, you may have thought you hit the jackpot, but I ain't got jack squat. I don't, know, I don't know what you came here looking for, but this ain't going to work. This woman, you see, had a very different perspective. We're going to see in a minute that she was looking at this situation through the lens of lack and want. And Elijah was looking at this situation through the lens of promise, providence, and blessing. And... and she says this to Elijah, as surely as the Lord your God lives, I don't have any bread. I only have a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. Listen to this. I'm gathering, I thought about having Gabby come up and just kind of play behind me soft on the violin while we're doing this. It's just such a sad state of affairs here. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. She's looking at life. She's looking at what she has in her hand. And she's saying, look, I see this through the lens of lack and want. And what I see here is just enough, maybe to sustain us for the day, but my perspective on this is that before too much longer... Me and my household are going to starve to death. And Elijah says to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you've said. But first, make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son." For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The flour jar will not be used up, and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day that the Lord sends rain. Something in this moment changes. 
Something, as we continue to read here, we're going to see a transition in this woman's life. Suddenly, she's no longer going to see things through the lens of lack and want, but that word that Elijah has delivered to her makes its way from her head into her heart. And can I tell you something today? Some of us need to allow the promise of God's word to alter our perspective on life. Because the truth of the matter is there are a lot of us that we know in our minds all of the right things to say and all of the right context in which to say them. And when all of our fellow believers are gathered around, we say, there's no weapon formed against me that's going to prosper. And we say, I know that God is working all things together for my good. But by the time we take three steps or turn the corner, we've pulled again the lens of defeat and despair, and we begin to spout things that are not faith-filled. And are indicative that we're looking at our world and our problem and our situation and our family and our lives through a different lens than the promise of God's word. But but something about this word, if it can ever make its way from here into here. And we begin to stand on the word of God. And we begin to walk by faith in the word of God. I'm telling you that it will change your life. It will change your life when you begin to say, I believe that every promise of God in Christ Jesus is yes and in him amen. It will be transformational for your life because what happens to you is the way you begin to see your life begins to change. Because what you see depends on how you look at it. This is the same man who was in the middle of drought. A little later on we're going to read. He's there and he keeps telling his servant to go out and and look. Go look, go look, go look. What do you see? I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. And Elijah says, you see that, but I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. Because my life and my direction is based on the promise of God. So something changes here. Something clicks in this woman. And she, the, the, the narrative continues here and says she went away and did as Elijah told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. Understand this, earlier she said, I'm going to cook a cake so that myself and my son can eat it and wait to die. Here it says there was enough for her and Elijah and her family. I don't know what the descriptive of family is here. But I want to tell you today, we serve the God of more than enough. And I believe that in the midst of famine, the blessing of God on this woman's life was an overflow. It was more. She only thought she had this much, but God got in the middle of it. She began to sow seeds of faith, and she found out that what she had was more than what she thought it was. 
She went away and did as Elijah told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. You know, sometimes we can grow so familiar with certain things that we don't even see them anymore. Some of you, and, and help me, help me here just so that I know that I'm not totally insane. How many of you have, have commuted a certain direction so many times that sometimes you'll be along your way and you'll be so far in that journey that you don't even remember passing places along the way? You're like, well, how did I get here already? And the deal is, you've seen it so many times that sometimes you don't even see it anymore. Your thoughts are preoccupied with other things. There are some of you that, that you, you, some of you homeowners in here, you went with the realtor, they took you into this several edifices and began to show you around, but there was one... There was one, I don't know if it was the ornate detail or maybe it was the spaces and the way it was laid out, the footprints or the amenities included in it. There was something in that one that caught your attention and you signed on the line and said, that's the one for me because this thing here is great. But you've lived there a while now and you pass in and out every day. You're coming and you're going, you're coming and you're going. And you don't even stop to recognize those fine features that first drew you in. And sometimes we're so familiar with the Word of God, with the promises of the Lord, that we're just going through life at a rapid pace and, and we don't stop sometimes just to think about, now how does this apply to my life? How does this apply to my situation? What does this mean right now in this moment? You see, how we look at things is often impacted by our familiarity. How many of you have seen those things so many times you get to the point that you hardly see them at all? In other words, the more familiar we are with something or someone, the more prone we are to lack appreciation for or find fault with those things or those people. Hence the old adage, familiarity breeds contempt. I'm not trying to add anything to the scriptures here this morning, but you, you know, I'm always intrigued sometimes at the glaring absences of these stories. There are details that are left out that we don't know. We, we don't know the story of this woman, the backstory. We don't understand how long things have been this way, how she got in this situation, and all of the dynamics that came to play in here. We, we don't know all those things. But sometimes knowing what I know about human nature, it makes, it makes my imagination kick into overdrive. So if you will allow me some imaginative liberties this morning, I want to take you on a, a, a journey of thought. And I want you just to um, imagine with me this morning, you know, knowing what I know about human nature, I'd like to ask, how many last meals had there been to this point? 
Was this time when Elijah came by, was this the first time that she was cooking her last meal? I mean, how many days had there been when she was looking around at the scarcity of what she had and she was saying, you know what, I think this might be it. This, this may be the end of it. All the way back from her ancestors before, God had revealed himself as Jehovah Jireh, my provider. To Abraham, he spoke, I mean, to Moses, he spoke and said, You tell them that I am that I am. What does that mean? Whatever you need, he is. I wonder how many last meals this had been. Was she just living day to day with some fatalistic mentality? Oh, poor me, woe is me. How many days had she gotten up and lived under the Lord's hand of providence and said, this doesn't look like enough? And if I can just bring that home real swift and real hard right now in this moment, I want to ask you, how many times do you ever get up and you're living under the hand of God's providence and you're looking at what's in your hand and what's in your house and you're thinking to yourself, man, this just doesn't look like enough. This just doesn't look like enough. She was so familiar. Could she have been so familiar with that situation that she lacked the appreciation for what she did have? Was she so familiar with that situation that she couldn't see God's blessing as anything more than insufficient? Maybe, maybe, just maybe, God sent Elijah to this lady to give her a change of perspective and infuse in what had been a fatalistic view of the world the word of the Lord, the promise of God. I was young and now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor God's seed begging bread. Was she so familiar with that situation that she just couldn't see that what the Lord had put in her hand day by day by day, if he feeds the sparrows and tends to the flowers of the field, how much more? Maybe the Lord sent Elijah there to give her a different perspective. Maybe God sent Elijah to stretch her faith as to say, not only is what I have, I've been providing for you enough for you and yours, but it's also enough for a hungry prophet, so don't question my ability to provide for you anymore. All I do know is that something quickened on the inside of her when the prophet shared the word of the Lord and her, you, with her, and, and we need to become, I'm sorry, we need not become so familiar with the promise and the provision of the Lord that we count it as anything less than a miracle. Sometimes we just need to ask God for a fresh perspective. Lord, change my view. Change the way I'm seeing things. Let me tell you something. When the adversary comes to you and tells you you're defeated, you need to say, wait just a minute. Let me look at this one more time because that's not what God said about me. 
When the enemy comes to you and says, you're broke and you're not going to make it through, you need to say, time out here. Let me look at it just one more time because that's not what God said about me. God said he had a plan and a future for me to prosper me and to give me hope. Amen? That's, that's the word of the Lord for me. i got to look at this thing one more time. Paul prayed for the Ephesians to have a fresh perspective. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18, he says this, he, and I'm reading from the NIV this morning because it is so clear, so crisp. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. I pray that the light bulb goes off in your mind. That you would see, that you would understand exactly who you are in Christ Jesus and what he's done for you and that every promise in Jesus is yes and in him, amen. Elijah, you know well the story how a protege, Elisha. There was a certain time when Elisha was delivering the word of the Lord to a nation and his words enraged one of the neighboring kings and against Elisha and his servant this king sent an entire army we sing the song here sometimes it may seem like I'm surrounded but I'm surrounded by you and no story illustrates that better in the word than this one here. It says, when the servant of the man of God got up, 2 Kings chapter 6 here, and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots surrounded the city. Oh, no, my Lord, what shall we do, asked the servant. And Elisha says, don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Verse 17 says this, And Elisha prayed, Open his eyes, Lord, that he might see. And then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked, and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. You see, the problem was, Elisha's servant there was trying to survey things with the natural eye. He was only looking through the lens of circumstance and situation. But Elisha says, let him see things through spiritual eyes. Let him see things through the promise of the word. Let him put the lens of God's promise over his view of this situation. Change his perspective, Lord. And when your perspective is changed, just like the widow of Zarephath, so changes your life. Because what you understand from that is that God has not failed you. There's a promise in his word that he will never leave nor forsake you. And, and what you've got may not look like much, but what you have is the seed for God to do miracles through if you will sow it in faith. And the first thing that she did was honor the man of God. She honored the prophet. She baked the cake for him. She brought it to him just like he instructed her. And it says the ensuing result was that she never gave out a flower. She never gave out an oil. She had plenty for her 
her son, the hungry prophet, her family, however that's defined here, I don't know. But when your perspective is changed, your life is changed because you move from defeat into victory. You'll move from lack to realizing that God has entrusted you with the seed of your blessing. You move from being agitated to understanding. You'll move from being burdened to being blessed when you change the way you look at it. Because what you see depends on how you look at it. And if you're in this place today and you say Thanksgiving's a couple of weeks away and I don't know anything in the world I've got to be thankful for, I'm going to challenge you on that in just a minute. What do you see? If you're here with a spouse or other family this morning, I want you to look beside you. Look, look at those people. And I want to ask you, what do you see? What do you see when you look at those people? Do you see some folks that aggravate the life out of you? Do you see folks who won't do what you want them to do? They won't behave the way that you want them to behave. Do you see their flaws? Do you see their shortcomings? Because nobody knows your flaws and your shortcomings like the people in your house. Is that what you see? Or do you see people with whom the Lord has blessed you to be able to share this life? Because what you see depends on how you look at it. Look around this room. Tell me what you see. You know, some people... Some people, when they're referring to the fine people of the household of faith, they say, <clears throat> those church folks. <laughs> I mean, them folks at church. When you look around this room, what do, you, do you see those folks from down at the church? Do you view them through the lens of their imperfections? Do you view them through the lens of their failures? Do you view them by the color of their skin, their nation of origin? Or do you view them as created in the image of Almighty God and redeemed by the Savior of the world? Do you view them as brothers and sisters in Christ with whom you'll stand together in the good times and the bad? Do me, a, do me a favor real quick. I told you I was going to challenge you here. Against the advice of my fashion consultants, I have three. I don't usually bring my keys because it makes this little bulge here. But if you've got a, how many of you have got a key ring with you? Just pull it out. Just take a minute, dig in your purse. Just in case you don't know, ladies, it's all the way at the bottom under everything else in there. When you, when you got them, I want you to just, just shake it at me a little bit. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Hold it out. I want you to hold it out there about arm's length. And I want you just to look at it. 
do you see? Keys, right. That's what most people see. It's just a wad of keys. They are utility tools that grant us access to certain places. Do you see just keys? Or do you see your transportation needs have been provided for? Do you see that God blessed you? It, it might not be the exact one you want, but you didn't walk, did you? Those needs have been provided for. Let me, wait a minute. Oh, there's my house key. Do you, do you see your house key? What does that represent to you? When, when I see this key, I don't just see something that grants me access to a door. I see a warm place to sleep at night. I see a place that's warm in the winter and cool in the summer. I see cupboards filled with food and refrigerators with supply for my needs. I see that stove that sometimes we turn on. see a comfortable bed. I see closets filled with clothes. I see the warm memories of a family gathered around, sharing life together. I see a table that is often spread with fellowship and people gathered around sharing the goodness of God. I see a place of comfort from the long days that we face. Look, I, I got another key ring. Look at that. Any of you got any office keys? Got some office keys on you? Yeah, yeah. Do you, just, do you just see something that just gets you in the door so you can do your job? Or do you see the opportunity that the Lord has given you to be able to go out and provide for your family? How many of you got some keys to some, some recreational vehicles? Maybe an entertainment cabinet, maybe a vacation home. How many? Come on. That's just gravy on top, y'all. Right? I mean, that's just extra. That's just, that's just absolute extra. What about the keys to a safe or a safe deposit box? You mean you've got treasure stored up? Wow. You know what? In this moment, I'd be afraid to estimate the collective value in a monetary sense of what we all hold in our hands right now. Because I'd be hard-pressed to believe that we'd find somebody in this room that right now is not holding at least tens of thousands of dollars worth of provision. Some of you hundreds of thousands of dollars worth. If you're business owners and you're here and you've got the keys to your property, maybe millions of dollars worth of things that God has entrusted to you. That he said, here, son, here, daughter. I love you. I want to bless you. Oh, this is not a prosperity message this morning. It's just simply this. Our perspective needs to change. This, this doesn't need to just be a wad of keys in our pocket. That's the bulge of blessing right there. You hear me? 
But sadly, too often times we reach in there and we draw out and all we see are a bunch of keys. And the correlation to that is that too many times we are living in the abundance of God's blessing and all that we see are situation and circumstance that we count as unfavorable. And we're just sitting around. There's a word from the Lord over our lives that he is more than enough. And we're just sitting around with our little handful going, oh God, I don't know how. Remember, what you see depends on how you look at it. And if you want to be a thankful people, you're going to have to change the lens. Pick up the Word of God. Let your mind be renewed. Let your vision be recalibrated. And begin to view things by the lens of the person and the goodness of God. That he'll never leave you nor forsake you. He will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. We're blessed. Amen. I want all the blessed people to stand up here this morning. Come on, stand up all over this house. We're going to close this morning worshiping the Lord. And as we do that today, I just want to invite you as our worship team leads us here this morning. Won't you just express to the Lord in your own words your thanks for his blessing in your life? As they sing, would you begin to do that? Would you lift it up? Also, if you're in this place, you've got need in your life, need in your body, whatever it is, we want to let you know these altars are open. We're happy to pray with you this morning. If you're not comfortable approaching the altar or you need somebody that you really need to speak with this morning about something down in room 108, our prayer counselors will be waiting immediately following the service and they would love to counsel you in prayer. But right now in this moment, let's just pause. Give me five minutes and let's just worship the Lord and say, thank you, Jesus. I am blessed. I am blessed. Every day that I live, I am blessed. Father, we thank you, Lord. Because you have blessed us indeed. And in this moment, we identify with Jacob who said, I am not worthy of the least of these, your blessings. But God, you increase us. We, we've got more today, many of us, than we ever dreamt. And yet you keep blessing, you continue blessing. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us, Lord, of the time that we're out gathering sticks and getting ready to perish. Living under your hand of providence. Forgive us, Lord, of the times that we've looked at your blessing and counted as insufficient. Forgive us, Lord, for the numbers of times perhaps that we have seen your promises so much so that we fly by them in life with little or no regard. And we live as a people without any hope.
distressed, despondent by the life that's happening around us, the situations and circumstances that we encounter. Lord, help us daily to bring our minds to the altar of the Word and have it renewed and restored. God, that our lens would be changed and we would view every part of our lives through the lens of your promise. Lord, we give you the glory, the praise, and the honor and ask it in Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day.